It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to cboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at turnboot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Work Cookie, our weekly gathering of IOs, HR, recruiters, all those who work in the helping other people in business industry. And of course, there's one actor here. Uh, Dr. Destiny, you're going to be leading us today, and we're going to take a look at energizing your working environment, sprinkling in excitement. Um, None of us like it when work is boring. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, it's just the environment in organizations is not a very exciting place at times to be working, but we have really seen trends over, you know, even the last 20, 30 years, you know, of trying to bring more excitement uh, to change the work environment. You know, the tech industries were bringing in foosball tables, <laughs> you know, and people were playing ping pong between nine and five, which I'm not really sure if that energized the office. Sometimes those organizations, what they were really attempting to do was to get their employees to live in the office and we'll just supply you with fun things to do while you're here 24 seven. So how do we take some steps to energize the office and not go down that type of path? Well, thanks for asking that question. And you just made me think of something that I talked to somebody about earlier this week, which was somebody who works at a big organization. I won't say the name in case they might be listening (laughs) and maybe they might have a different experience, people that actually work there. But she said something to the the degree of when I started my first day at this organization, I found that there was a slide in the organization, a rock climbing wall, and everywhere I went was free food and baristas that would cater to my special coffee order. And so I was like, wow, I asked her, how can I be your child? Because I have a feeling there's a bring your child to work day and I want to participate. (laughs) So, you know, that's just one really kind of probably extreme of what we might identify as sprinkling and energizing the workforce. So let me bring in some official evidence-based type of research first, because I think that's where we should start is what what is fun, right? I think everyone has the definition that's probably different than the other. You know, for example, every Halloween, I love Halloween. And I like to go what other people say, torture myself through haunted houses and things like that. And I love it. I think it's fun. But other people are like, that is not fun, Destiny. What is wrong with you? So with that being said, (laughs) um, there was a study uh, done by Fluster et al. And they did an article called The Fun Paradox. 
They combined interviews and follow-up surveys with four companies in New Zealand, and they derived some insightful points for HR departments to consider when contemplating employee engagement activities. First and foremost, they recognize that fun at work can take on three broad definitions, and I think this is where we should start today. First, organic, where fun is generated by the employees themselves. The second is managed, where the fun is generated through corporate activities. And three, tasks, where fun is generated from engagement with tasks between multiple employees. I also know that we have a few people on here that might understand this last thing that I'll share. In the military, uh, when I was in the service, we would do things what we called mandatory fun. (laughs) And I see people shaking their head, yes. We would be voluntold is what we would call it to show up to things such as organizational days where it was mandatory fun. However, at the end of the day, those things were actually quite fun because it was a different way to show up and engage with your peers. So just some food for thought. So (laughs) managers who demand that we celebrate individual birthdays when most of the people don't want to celebrate their birthday. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> or, you know, forcing your employees, like someone's got this great idea and we're all going to do it. And we're all going to have fun, but they don't consult anybody. They just drive ahead and, and nobody ends up in fun. How do we avoid that? Help. <laughs> Dr. Martha, <laughs> let's go to you. Well, you know, when you mentioned birthdays, I remember back in the day, that was quite a trend where birthdays were celebrated on some kind of a basis, whether once a month, everybody who had a birthday that month uh, got a big cake or whatever the situation was. But you know, times have changed. We are living in the world of identity theft and birthdays are often used as part of proving your identity. So, you know, in today's um, day and age, it really is unadvisable to post anybody's birthdays within the company because you really just don't know. I wouldn't go around telling people when my birthday is necessarily unless I know you. Um, You know, when you're working within a company, that information may be too private for many people to share. So I think if somebody's trying to force that, something as simple as identity theft uh, should be enough for a company to not want to force you. You know, the other thing to consider is, is that there are different personalities in terms of fun. Some people like different kinds of fun. Some people are more fun than others. I've seen some companies where pranks were a big deal and these guys were merciless with one another. Other places that wouldn't fly, that would get you fired. So there are so many things that we have to consider but I think setting example is a, is a good place to start having the right environment for people to work in, uh, ergonomics that, you know, if you're miserable because you're hurting, your body is hurting from um, sitting in the wrong chair or in the wrong position all day, and if your environment is gloomy, it's hard to engage in fun. And if you have fun shoved down your throat and you're already unhappy, there are some basics to take care of first before we are voluntold to have fun. Yeah, definitely. Dr. Linda, and let's go to you. Well, having worked in a company that had a foosball table and a ping pong table, um, <laughs> it it did provide a release, especially at the end of the day. And they really did self-limit till, you know, and they had, you know, round robin kind of competitions and would do pairings and with 
and they would be kind to pair people up who didn't know darn about foosball with somebody who was pretty good, that kind of thing. But so it was a way to engage with each other uh, on a different in a different way. However, I think it's you have to be very careful about thinking that doing that is actual employee engagement. It's not a substitute for actual employee engagement, which takes is a, is a completely different level of process and takes a lot more effort than just you know going down to the local goodwill and finding what you can find to bring into the office to have people play. So uh, it's it's good to have people interact on a different level, but it's not a substitute for um, real employee engagement and the work it takes to get real employee engagement. So if it's done well, it can actually build the team. It can actually bring people together and they can be more united. And it's just fun to have fun together. So it, if it's done effectively, it, it, it can work. Well, and, and it's important that whatever you're doing, that it's voluntary. You know, um, I used to try to have certain activities, like one kind of activity once a month or so, right? So like this time of year, we would have a chili cook-off. You didn't, you weren't required to participate in the chili cook-off and, you know, there were trophies and some people took it really seriously and those kinds of things. And then, you know, there were food drives and then in the Christmas time, there was a, a secret Santa thing and people got crazy. They were engineers. They got crazy with their clues and we had cookie swaps. So there's ways to have fun, but it's all voluntary. But how do you get more buy-in? How do you, you know, organizations may plan a monthly fun activity for employees to do, but if you've got a hundred employees and five show up, is that effective? No, and that's a sign of a greater problem, right? Because, it, and that's a, that's something that you can look at as a real indicator as to are people engaged? Do they care about being with the people at work? And, you know, and it's different when you're on um, uh, virtual communications, but there's ways to still include it. But if you're not getting any participation, which I would consider five out of 100 not getting any participation, um, you need to look at other things because it's a sign of a greater issue. And with that, let's go to Lee. Ooh, oh, man, where to start? Um, first off, you know, Destiny is completely right. Mandatory fun thing. Um, sometimes it was okay stuff, and sometimes I would rather jab pencils in my eyes. I mean, it just really depended on uh, kind of who was planning it, um, which kind of leads me to what, you know, Linda Ann was saying about, about the uh, voluntary. And, you know, this is hugely important right now. I mean, we've talked about this and other things about diversity and cultural differences and uh, even potentially international differences. You know, what one person considers fun, someone else may consider offensive. And you're really going to have to be kind of careful about that. And we also have to take into account personalities. You know, my wife showed me a video yesterday of one of her coworkers. They, they all went out to celebrate his birthday, which he was fine with that. But when they were singing him happy birthday, the video of him, I mean, he, if he could have crawled into a hole and pulled it in after him, he would have. And uh, and this guy is normally jovial, but he just was very uncomfortable at that particular attention. And those are the sort of things that you've got to take into account because, you know, not everybody likes the same thing, you know, as we know. And, and you know, if you, and, and like and if you've got five people out of 100 who like a particular thing, then you should probably consider a different option. Um, also, one thing with the, with the, you got to worry about productivity and all that kind of stuff too. If you you start doing too much during the workday, but then you also have to be careful with you know fun activities outside of work because you know a lot of people that kind of goes into your life balance and, and all of that and, and how much comes out of your own pocket. 
and, uh, and and that sort of thing. So there's a, there's a whole lot to go into these things. So it's it's not as simple as let's form a, com- a committee and we'll meet for some month and do something fun because uh, then it usually goes wrong. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Now, I wanted to just comment on what Linda Ann said, that if you have poor engagement, that's such an excellent indicator of something else being uh, a greater issue, something else being wrong. I mean, sure, every company is going to have someone who only shows up if there's free food or who only shows up if it's on, if he's or she is on the clock, right? It's during work hours. Otherwise, no. Um, but beyond that, you know, what's the company's culture like? Do you have a toxic culture and then you're expecting people to hang out with you? That's unrealistic. There's an issue there that you have to address before you're going to uh, force fun upon people and somehow expect things to change. There has to be a certain culture, I think, that's already in place. And there has to be a certain level of genuineness. People know if you genuinely care about their well-being and want to present them with things for their betterment of their experience versus if they're checking off some check mark because somebody told them you need to do this or you know they read somewhere you should have fun within the organization now we're going to force everybody to do jumping jacks and you know maybe not everybody wants to do jumping jacks or already has a lot of baggage from everything else you've done to them. So so that's important to consider because yes, that is an indicator of a bigger issue. And you can't expect as an organization to just say, we're going to have fun periodically from now on and think that that changes anything. Dr. Ariana, let's go to you. I love what's been said so far and definitely what what Dr. Martha was just saying about it needing to be very genuine and come from the company culture and what do you value and what is the company's itself purpose in the world? If you're, you know, a healthcare provider, you might have different things that draw you in and make meaning out of things and enjoyment. So not about, you know, there's some very like, I'm going to use the word like canned events that can happen where people put on an event for the sake of it and may in planning it might be like, this is what employees want, but maybe it's not something that's even enjoyable to them. I've definitely been at a company before where they do the cake for birthdays once a month, and that is sometimes nice. There's even been times when I've liked having my birthday acknowledged, like, oh, you know, it's my day. It feels special, you know? But the way they always carried out was just like almost from a script. It was very like cookie cutter in terms of engagement. So it is about bringing it into the culture and also the rest of the day to day, you know? But you can do it well. And if leaders are consistently engaged with their team, know their people, you can use things that can either or otherwise be corny for fun. Like you can do a dress up day and laugh when everyone is wearing Hawaiian shirts to work. That can be something that keeps people engaged, can be a little humorous. It can, you know, lighten up work, but you know, you can even ask your people what they're looking for, you know, and a little effort can go a long way. People are really drawn by free food. I feel like that is a thing, you know, so it can be as simple as a lunch, you know, some, People or workplaces might be more likely to go for the volunteering opportunity where they get a day off, coordinated volunteering event. So I think it's really about knowing your company, what you stand for, what you value, and bringing that through the social engagements and activities that you provide. 
a bad Christmas sweater season is coming up. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Amanda, let's go to you. Happy almost Friday, everybody. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, I attached a document into the chat area. This document has been really vital for some of the conversations I've had in practice with some folks as it relates to, because it, it is a systematic literature review that not only puts together the individual antecedents, but also the organizational antecedents for employee culture, um, where it can help even just managers, given that this is an HRD article, can help managers scope out with their individual employees what is missing for that individual employee and facilitate those conversations. Because Managers and supervisors also hold some of that responsibility to engage. We can become catalysts of providing the resources necessary, but we can't be the one-man show because it's not a one-man show. Um, but the organizational one is a really great one to bring to um, like a gr broader team that you could either look at it from like a... a an office level or even an organizational level. But if you're looking at it from like an office or organizational level, bringing it to those leaders, either if they're in the C-suite, uh, the board, or even just um, the directors of the office, you can have a conversation about which ones are maybe missing within the organization. Because if we look at it from a systematic perspective, just like talking about culture, are there certain things that are limiters? Because from a government perspective, you, there's certain things we just cannot do because uh, regulations, unions, et cetera, there is restrictions of, well, you can't just give a bunch of stuff out to everybody because Joe Citizen won't like that because it's not an appropriate use of funds. So it's having to be more creative um, in certain environments and working within the limitations of those certain environments. Um, but this document, I, I'd highly recommend for those, for folks to take a look at, for those that are probably listening afterwards, it's called The Antecedents to Employee Engagement, a Structured Literature Review of the lit or a Structured Review of the Literature from Advances in Developing Human Resources um, in 2011. It's, it's a pretty good article. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. Holly, let's go to you. Thanks, um, Amanda. Timely article for me. I'm uh, working on developing a program for to increase employee engagement and reduce attrition right now for a client. So I'm going to dive into that. Um, but when I think of, of fun, I think of like, does does work need to be fun? Like not everybody is the, is the fun you have at work the same fun you have like with like your real friends. <laughs> um, and when I think of fun, I think a major component, like an ingredient of fun is spontaneity. Um, and sometimes when we prescribe or we schedule in fun, like it doesn't really seem natural or normal. So, you know, if I have a meeting and I'm leading a meeting in person uh, and it's a beautiful day outside, like go outside, throw a ball around, like talk, like how can we um, give flexibility to people to, you know, improve or, or capture spontaneity in order to create a fun moment. So just something I wanted to throw out. I, I, I like that. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. I like what Amanda brought up, the idea of um, different settings and what kind of fun would be appropriate where. So if you compare maybe a university setting versus a hospital um, Dare I even mention, are you allowed to have fun at a funeral home? So, 
we really need to consider that an organization uh, would need to consider that we can't just offer this one size fits all. This is what you do because some things may not be appropriate. Um, so that's, that was a very good point um, that Amanda brought up. I just wanted to expand on that. Well, thank you very much. And Lee, let's go to you. Yeah. The, uh, what Holly just said, just like pinged in my brain. I mean, um, you know, a lot of things that we consider fun are definitely not appropriate. and. A lot of things that one person considers fun, someone else would consider torture. So, you know, that's, uh, I think we need to be careful when we start equating, you know, your, your standard definition of fun with employee satisfaction, positive culture, you know, all these other words that we use to describe a, a place you want to work. And you can have some spontaneity fun kind of things. I mean, I walked into an office one day, they were in the middle of a Nerf gun war, you know, and they had uh, turned out that during a system outage that they knew was going to happen, the managers had given everybody a little Nerf gun because uh, you still had to come to work. And so when the system went down, they all shot at each other. And, and it was it was very entertaining. And, you know, and those and you knew those who were off limits and you didn't mess with them because some people don't think that well. And, um, you know, my first job out of college, they gave us this little I don't know if anybody remembers these little koosh balls, the rubber ball with all the little tassels on it. And they gave us those in our onboarding and those would start flying around the office, you know, after the, after the, you know, managers left, um, which we thought we were getting away with and we actually didn't. But, um, you know, so you, you do have, there are ways to make it a positive environment. There are ways for people to enjoy their jobs and, and, you know, look forward to coming to work without, you know, playing touch football in the hallway or something, you know, uh, just, Throwing that out there. <laughs> I love those balls, especially the ones you could throw against a window or a mirror, and then they'd sort of crawl down. <laughs> Linda Ann, let's go to you. <clears throat> yep, that company that had the foosball table and ping pong table also had an gun war. So I'd walk downstairs and be like ducking. <laughs> but um, it's also uh, important to realize that, you know, having fun peppered throughout your work days. Um, doesn't have to be a major event. You know, one of the things that I would do, like opening day for baseball season, you know, we would all wear our favorite um, major league team baseball jersey. So that, and then just knowing that little piece of information about someone else that would promote, oh, the rivalry between two different teams and they would go at it a little bit, or there's just subtle things that it doesn't have to be this event during the day taking up time, but there's little things that can make, you know, the little, the relationships a little bit more enjoyable, you know, like there's trip national trivia day. So you can post on a couple of places in the company, you know, some either trivia questions about the company or just trivia questions in general. And um, whoever gets them first gets some kind of, you know, gift card or whatever, but it's, it's not that hard. It's not rocket science and it's not that hard. Um, it just needs to be, you know, genuine. You want people to have fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I'm listening to the podcast, I'm going, this sounds like some really good ideas, Linda Ann, but let me ask you someone who, who may be in the C-suite, is this really effective? Does this increase productivity of, People are having fun. What it does is foster some relationships. And when you foster some relationships between teams, then they're more likely to communicate on issues and ask questions and co uh, and collaborate if you feel comfortable with that person and um, have a relationship with that person. So in some ways, it does. Dr. Ariana, let's go to you. Yeah, 
I'm going to post a model in the chat that I just found that is an image and then I can find the article later. But um, I, I do think fun critics. I do think it's something we care about. We keep talking about how the air can be these boring events that don't capture everyone's attention. But I think we're focusing a little bit too much on the negative because people going through efforts to bring us together as colleagues is very important. And I've seen and I've worked at organizations where it doesn't happen, where the executives are focused on revenue. The connection between your team is once a year at a Christmas party virtually where they put on a sweater and then you talk business the whole time. And there is, you never get at the fun. And I think there are elements of fun that relate to a lot of other concepts that we talk about, such as psychological safety, such as being vulnerable, such as allowed to being fun, allowing yourself to be spontaneous, to engage in spontaneity with your team. Because I've also, when we don't bring this element of wanting to socialize, wanting to come together around activities that are not task oriented, we lose the opportunity to foster those social connections, to engage with one another, to feel like work is more than just work sometimes. And so it takes a conscious effort, consideration, and planning to bring these types of events to fruition, as well as an investment, you know, sometimes financially in the event itself. But these can make a big difference. You can interact anew with departments you didn't know before. That can increase your productivity on projects. You can feel a greater um, relationship to your work and the people at it. You can understand the people themselves, you know, and why they care about the workplace. And to me, these things are very energizing and help me keep engaged, but it's easy to lose sight of it, never plan these types of events. And then your work feels very serious. And then on the off chance, you are trying to be the fun employee and you make a joke. Sometimes it falls so awkwardly and people are like, you know, people aren't able to see the workplace as a place where they can have that back and forth rapport and add elements of humor, add elements of fun. So I think it's a balance. I think it's good to be aware of the events that fall flat, but also, you know, still prioritizing this facet, I think is an important aspect of the work. You know, it's really interesting. I went to a, a company Christmas party I was invited to. I actually wasn't part of the company, uh, but it was a great evening. Everyone was having a lot of fun and the the regional boss was there. And so, you know, at some point he he got up to say a few words. And so the, you know, the fun stopped and everyone got very serious. And then we sat through about 10 minutes of him mumbling and talking so low that no one could hear him. And you could just sense the mood changing, like we stopped drinking for this. <laughs> so yeah, be careful. Laura, let's go to you. I really appreciated the connection that Dr. Ariana just made with idea of fun and psychological safety and the idea of being vulnerable. I know someone's already mentioned Brene Brown in the thing. I've been on a big Brene Brown kick recently. So the idea that there's some level of being vulnerable and being open and encouraging trust and psychological safety um, with being mischievous and being fun in the workplace. Um, my point for why I originally raised my hand was to mention the idea of having options so uh, I'm going to go back to another military reference. So my military service member is an air crew, and it is very common for air crew, at least in our service, to have a bar in the squadron. <laughs> so there is a designated squadron bar and drinks there. And so Friday afternoons, there is usually a designated time that the beer light comes on and 
if you're done with work, if there is nothing that needs to be done right before, you know, 8 a.m. Monday morning, um, you can go leave your desk, go hang out at the squadron bar and have a drink and socialize. Um, for a lot of the civil service or the contractors, depending on what their contract states and their leadership and whatnot, that usually means they're welcome to join the bar or they can cut out early for work. So if they're not interested in going to the bar and having that that talk or they don't drink or it's just Friday afternoon and they're done for the week, they have the option to just get out of work early, basically. And it's squadron sanctioned, it's leadership sanctioned, but it gives options for individuals. And I will say one of our last events, um, it was a luncheon at my my spouse's squadron. And I didn't sit next to my spouse and talk to him the entire luncheon because all of the officers were sitting together and talking work. And I was like, I don't feel like talking about airplanes. And um, my husband made the comment later that it they all are in separate shops and offices. And so they very rarely have all of them together in a single place to have these kinds of organic conversations. And so promoting like what Linda Ann was talking about, the the collaboration and things like that, that you just don't always think like it, you get something organic from it being a quote unquote fun event versus a mandatory meeting. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, isn't it interesting if you, if you really want to get creativity going, you know, in a group, get out of the office, go for a walk, do something fun. Mm-hmm. Any creativity just blossoms. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. You know, one of the things that you had mentioned was the C-suite, especially if they're focused on numbers and return on investment and everything money, right? And productivity. But, you know, the reality for, I think, a good number of organization may be starting with creating a nice place to work. Uh, maybe don't don't aim so high if if people aren't enjoying being there to begin with. So I think that would be a good place to start. Create the type of atmosphere, the kind of culture where people don't mind being there. They look forward to going there. And then once you have that established, then um, planned fun maybe the next uh, logical step. But something else that when Lee was speaking about the the shooting and whatnot, you know what came to my mind is what would Dr. Freud say about who you were shooting at with this toy gun? Because I can't imagine that it's totally random all the time. So that's what I thought when Lee brought that up. Let's not go back to Lee. Uh, let's go to you. And then Dr. Destiny, I want to come back to you uh, after that. Well, I, I think there's some accuracy in what Dr. Martha had to say there, um, having been in the middle of those. But <laughs> the w- one thing I wanted to bring up was, you know, we talk about does work need to be fun and is it necessary? And then and the C-suite. Well, sometimes C-suite people like having fun, too. Um, they just make sure that when you're in the the process that they're included you know it's important to make sure that they they feel like they're part of it too they can feel as though they're um on working on the outside sometimes as well we um, always think that they've got it all together and that's the poor assumption um <laughs> but one of the things that they find is that people who have a friend at work are less likely to leave the organization and so there's a re- an employee retention factor in this as well. So, you know, when and when I would do onboarding with people, uh, I always, because through the interview process, I would find out a little bit about them and and so forth. And I would always make sure that I would 
introduce them to someone who I knew had similar interests outside of work and so that they had some ways to connect with other people in the organization. And if if team members you know, have a friendship, then they don't want to let each other down and it actually becomes more productive, right? Absolutely. Uh, okay, Dr. Destiny. <laughs> First of all, how are we doing uh, on the topic and, and maybe it's a little bit of what you're seeing in the chat? Yeah, uh, I think this topic's actually quite energetic, uh, which is, you know, a little bit ironic considering we're talking about energizing the workforce this month, right? But I think that's that's the truth is, you know, and then something that Linda Ann said about the friend at work, really organic relationships that can, you know, cultivate and foster in that workplace are, are good. You know, they give people an opportunity to kind of vent and to talk through things and all of those uh, things that we don't think about necessarily like correlate back to the whole idea of fun and organic, you know, fostering of relationships and things like that. And one thing I wanted to bring uh, to the attention in the chat that we're kind of talking about is, you know, we're going back to the conversation in the beginning of the of the discussion was, is this necessary and why does it matter and all of that? And I want to share this thought too. Organizational leaders are the ones who can encourage and increase potential for workplace fun through motivation, empowerment, creativity, tolerance, and encouragement, establishing work environments that are free of fear and violence, and establishing and being role models for ethics, integrity, values, and trust. So a lot of the research really falls on the shoulders of managers to kind of set the tone of what that looks like in their workplace. So if you're a manager or a leader, how you show up in that space is going to have a trickle impact on the way that your employees are approaching it. And really, you know, this is a showcase in some ways of, you know, focusing on people's creativity and things like that. So I don't think it's necessarily something that, you know, is bad, but it's something that we can you know, really focus on the managers and say, what kinds of outcomes can we expect if we open the environment to be more creative or more inclusive or, you know, all of those thoughts kind of come to the forefront when I think of this. So, well, there's a lot of focus on the managers these days, you know, every, every if we're going to move forward, you know, especially with something like remote work, it's, it's all landing on the manager's shoulders. Uh, so there's help out there for you managers, <laughs> just reach out. Uh, I, I want to, I'm ready. We're going to get to you in a moment, but I, I want to kind of just go down a little bit of a different path because when it comes to energizing your workforce, uh, there's this great trend in remote work where it's, you know, we live in different parts of the world. So, and, you know, and imagine you're all, you know, I'm your, your, your leader here and, you know, you're all my employees. And I'm about to make the announcement that come the middle of January, we're all going to the Bahamas for a long weekend. Is, is, is that something that, you know, a lot of organizations should take a look at? And yeah, we're going to go spend a couple of days. We might have a couple of meetings. Maybe we're going to invite a, a guest speaker in to, you know, talk to us, but you're going to be in the Bahamas. So is, is, does that get everybody excited? Dr. Destiny, let's start with you. I mean, you're asking me if going to the beach sounds exciting while it's freezing outside. Of course, let's do it. You know, but the reality is, is there's a lot of logistics that people don't think through those things sometimes when they put out these ideas. And it goes back to all the discussionary points we've had. Some people might, for example, my mom, she doesn't like the sun. So she'd be like, ew, that sounds horrible. I mean, like, what's wrong with, you know, like, but that's how it is. And so it's important to really understand the culture 
of your organization, the makeup of it, and see, you know, if that doesn't work, have other options. Once again, maybe it's the voluntary type of situation. If you want to come, you can come. If not, here is an option to engage still with us throughout that that setting. We can't. Oh, I was just commenting that we can send your mother to Alaska. Uh, Dr. Good. <laughs> yeah. Fact, she's booking the ticket right now. Uh, Linda and let's go to you. Did he, go ahead, Ariana. Oh, sorry. I put my hand down when Tom called on me. But um, yeah, I actually do think that those are a really great idea. Personally, I know that some people, I feel like it's a challenge, right? Because we want to honor individual differences, but then also some people will gripe about anything. So it's like, you know, should we invite our remote population to work every day? Some people really don't like coming to work. You know, it's just kind of a mentality sometimes. But I do respect it, you know, and I do appreciate the opt-out options sometimes. You know, I, I've worked with colleagues, you know, who have a hard time with mobility. And so they don't often join our team retreats. And I think we all respect that. So I think, you know, something that's been mentioned a number of times is respecting the baseline of your colleagues, but also trying to do what's best for the majority. But I think in a fully remote setting, these offline travel options are really good because if people are not ever together in person, they don't truly know each other. They don't, they've never shared a meal together. They've never had an in-person experience together. They only know each other, you know, through the Zoom interface, which tends to be highly task oriented. So I think it can actually, I've had a situation where I've been, you know, bordering on a little burnout and then had one of these and felt really re-energized and invigorated. And I think that in the remote world, we, there's a lot of benefits being able to tap into a global workforce and all these things, but it is calling into question how we create some of the social relationships that we've traditionally always been able to create in the office. So I think that it's a great investment to get your employees together, to build some camaraderie, to give them some new experiences. It's also a great time to align on the higher strategy of your team and organization and do a check-in on where are we? What are our overall objectives? What's our team purpose? How are we delivering on that? So I personally am in favor. Good. I've got one yes vote. <laughs> Dan, let's go to you next. I think that, you know, it can be really beneficial, but you really need to consider the, are you just inviting the individual? Are you inviting the whole family? Because a lot of people are in a situation where they just can't pick up for a weekend. They've got the logistics of three kids and, you know, they, they don't live, you know, we don't always live near our mom and dad anymore where they can just go stay with grandma for the weekend. And so in some ways it could be pretty um, stressful for some individuals, you know, it, it depends on if you're a single parent or not, and can you make those arrangements? So there's a lot more to than just, yeah, let's all hop on a plane and go have some fun because some people can really feel um, isolated or left out because they can't manage those logistics. So there's something that needs to be considered uh, on that level. The other thing is, um, I think it's human nature to have fun. I don't think if we, you know, for me, to say, well, is is fun, you know, necessary at work? It may not be necessary, but I think it's part of our nature to just expect that. And it can be pretty, I think, de-energizing to go to a place where it's so serious all the time. And think about there's so many health benefits and, and stress relief benefits from laughter. So um, I think there's, yeah, I think that the there's definitely a place for fun in the work. Yeah, I, I actually was talking to one of these 
you know, CEOs of a remote only company. And not only, you know, you can bring your kids, we'll arrange daycare for you <laughs> while we're down there. And basically they took care of all of the arrangements of travel. So really the employees just needed to show up at the airport. Um, that's the world. I love. Well, uh, that's, that's, and that's question. the ideal, that's the ideal where you're taking all the stress off. Right. But I've been yeah. in organizations where they want to do these things, but they wanted to do it on a, on a shoestring. And that doesn't really fly very well. No, everyone comes back even more stressed <laughs> and sunburned. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Well, listening to all of that and the importance of making it an all-inclusive experience, right? Because like Linda Ann said, there are many people whose realities simply don't allow for you to uh, live a carefree single life uh, because you're not carefree and single. You have other responsibilities. So that is so important to really Again, make it a genuine effort rather than do it on the the smallest budget iman- imaginable. Um, now, having said that, I I do have an experience where a company took uh, their top performer. So this wasn't for a whole organization, but it accomplished a, a very uh, good goal in the end. They took their top performers to uh, go on a sailing trip. None of these people were sailors. Uh, had no experience, but what it did was it taught them how to sail and it taught them how to work together because otherwise they were they were going under, I guess. Um, so each of them came back energized and very happy and appreciative of the experience because not only was it fun, they bonded together as a team because they were forced not only to learn something new, but to learn how to work together in this new situation. So I definitely see benefits for doing those kind of trips or outings uh, for, for your team. But again, make sure you do it with class and just make it as available to everybody as possible. Don't be cheap. I, I like that. But also, I can see it being really effective, especially if the if the people want to want to get together and bond and stuff. But is it is it a good idea when you've got a problem team to put that in them into that situation where it might resolve itself or it might make things worse? So before you engage in that, do you need, need to do a little check in with the team and the employees to make sure that once again, they have buy-in? I think test the waters is the advice here. Before you jump into a sailing trip or going around the world somewhere with a group of people that don't get along, why not start with something a little smaller, more manageable to test the waters, see how people are able to relate to one another, work out their differences, work together, and work your way up. Dr. Ariana, let's go to you. I don't think we should ever avoid these types of excursions purely due to team conflict. I've seen a number of executive teams that we've been doing leadership development with, with tons and tons of conflict. But I have seen personally the root of team conflict often being a lack of trust. And it often results from people working in silos and computing resources. So I think oftentimes when we can get people together, you know, have them interact a little more naturally, you know, be less competitive. You see, you kind of, it does kind of unravel the dynamics, like you were saying, like you see, you know, I've had conflict in the past with someone more senior. And when I got together with them, I was a little nervous. I was like, how are they going to react? Is this going to be catty? I'm just going to be like respectful and normal. And they were too. And our relationship has been different ever since. 
I've also seen it go the other way where I was doing a one-on-one personality assessment debrief with a leader in 360 debrief. And in this session, they were very skittish, you know, and over time they did eventually after months exit out of this company, but sometimes that's what's best for the team dynamics. And if it, and it wasn't that he was a bad person. It just was that he wasn't fitting and nothing was going to change that, you know? So I think that these are really opportunities to get past some of the work organizational politics and try and connect on a little bit more of a bubble. What, what do you do though in that situation where, you know, you're, you, maybe you're conducting an activity, to energize people and, you know, you've got your group and your team and everybody wants to participate, but there's always the one person who doesn't. Um, and, and maybe even they don't fit into the team is, is there really any way to get them energized and, and get them having a great experience at work or, does it get to a point where you got to cut your losses? Hmm, that's a good question. In this situation, that individual personally decided to leave. Um, so, you know, I think in any situation, people, when they don't want to participate, that, there's a number of reasons why that might be. Even a very strong introvert it may not want to. So I think group activities work really well for that. And occasionally you may have the people who just sit there kind of with a chip on their shoulder the whole time. But I think that's an opportunity more for the group than, you know, for, so you can see, do other people try and bring them in? At lunchtime, do they try and bring that people in? Is it they don't feel safe in the space to participate fully in the activities? So I think that the process of do engaging in these types of exercises, especially leadership development, kind of is a natural pathway. And in leadership development, we often have one person be the leader, and then the rest of the group has to give feedback. So, you know, it's just kind of going to roll out how it does if that person makes an effort versus not at all. If they're making no effort, not participating, you know, you know, like sitting on the edge and not saying anything, it might be an opportunity to have a coaching conversation um, and then see how long that behavior persists. Yeah, there, there, there's usually an underlying issue, which maybe you should take some time to investigate. Uh, Linda Ann. I would say that one possible way to address that situation. Um, and it depends on the person again, but sometimes giving them responsibility for a particular kind of project that it might suit them well, but it requires them to engage on a different level with people. So giving them some responsibility for a different, something that's different than what they normally do might help, help them understand more the need for engagement or just change their relationships a little bit. But that's one possible technique. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. I think it's important to make sure we pay attention to everybody. And just what Linda Ann was just saying now, um, engage that person who may tend to um, be the naysayer or, or not want to participate. Try to engage them. But I think most situations, these things tend to work themselves out, whether the person ends up coming around or whether they end up leaving. And an organization really has a responsibility to the greater whole. It should never not engage their employees in, you know, energy building or, or fun building activities just because there's that one person who won't want to participate. That should never stop the organization from doing something good for, for the, the greater number of people. Um, and again, 
underlining what highlighting what Linda Ann said, try to engage them always. But in the end, it's up to them. And chances are it will resolve itself one way or another. Yeah, just keep those channels of communication open. Holly, let's go to you. I had mentioned this in the chat, but this conversation has me thinking a few things, one of which is, um, you know, a room full of experts and we can't agree on like what the strategy is for like how to have fun. Like, is it a policy? Is it a practice? Is it a procedure? We don't know. Um, And when I think of employee development and organizational development, learning and development and the, the team, the department that's situated within the organization learning and development, that coupled with HR, it's like, who's the expert there to go, who's going to plan this event, right? Who's going to put their heads together? And it's making me think that a a lot of the conversations I've been having with clients in different organizations, that there is an emergent need for a a new department that I'm calling TNC, which is transformation and collaboration, which is a unique high value organization or department that's situated internally that can do things like, um, you know, data analysis, that can pull information from human resources. It's not human resources. It's something different than human resources. It's not learning and development. It's something different. And it's really looking at the organization as an organism. How can that company transform its leaders, its personnel, its policies to stay future-focused, right? How many organizations have we worked with that are reactive, right? Not proactive. It's why we have jobs. So how can we position organizations and leaders to think in the future, not in the now or in the past? And then collaboration. What's that big picture of you? Where are these people having synergies, these similarities? Because that is going to build relationships. That's going to transform organizations. That's unique creativity and idea formation, right? So um, if anybody's in an organization and they want to build this, like, let me know. But um, I don't know how to, like, make that thing happen. But I'm pretty sure over time we will collectively see organizations with departments with transformation and collaboration explicitly called out because it is a unique and high value skill set. I think this is another topic we can be looking at somewhere down the line. <laughs> or that, Holly, we're going to make you have your own show. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Well, I wanted to comment on what Holly just said. I don't think this is a case of us not being able to agree on one answer fits all at all. I think this is us recognizing the complexity of the issue, just like no respectable consultant would go to an organization after organization with the same answer. Every organization is going to be different. You have to be able to recognize what is needed and tailor your efforts to that. And I think this is exactly what we're recognizing in this conversation, the complexity of it, because there are so many variables that come into place. It would be silly to assume that there's one answer that's going to work for everybody. There isn't one. The more answers, the better, though. (laughs) We can take care of everybody if we've got enough answers. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Destiny, we're getting low on time here. Uh, Maybe we want to take a look at um, what's coming up at CBOC. So many things, Tom. I mean, I I went earlier and looked just to, to remind myself of all the things that we have coming up. And so on the calendar officially right after this is actually a workshop. Um, so if you ha- you're listening later, you're going to miss it, but it'll probably be brought back to the table at some point because I think it's going to be a really great addition, which is bringing the I.O., into any workplace, buy-in for initiatives and ideas. So here we are talking about that today in, in, a, in a way. 
And we're going to teach a framework during that workshop. Friday is our peer-to-peer support group meetup. Uh, If you're a member, you have that option. And then Tuesday, another member engagement situation, another momentum session. And we're going to start structuring those momentum sessions to really kind of uh, encourage people to think a little bit differently about their approaches and their actions and all of that during the day. And then the next week, we the final uh, podcast is encouraging individual individuality in the workplace. So something else that I think will probably be very interesting dialogue next week as well. And there are some other things that are going on. We can't quite talk about yet, <laughs> but there yeah. are some exciting things coming out at Seabox. So uh, if you're enjoying the Work Cookie podcast, you know, stay connected with us, uh, visit Seabox and check out the Pathfinders uh, system that we've got developed, especially if you're a younger IO, maybe just coming into the industry, or if you've been in the industry for a few years and you're looking at a change, uh, the people here in the organization have the advice that you to make that move. Uh, and I love the way that the organization is supportive of its members as well. Um, and, and it's we have a lot of fun just doing this. Um, <laughs> but let me get, let me go and, uh, and you know feel free to open your mics. But I would love to hear in the next you know three to five minutes. Let's I want to hear your ideas, things that you've experienced that really worked well with engaging fun in organizations, or maybe, you know, you were part of an organization and there was an activity that really appealed to you. Uh, so, you know, just jump up, Linda Ann, let's start with you. Well, I, I've mentioned this in, in this group before, but the one thing that was surprising to me and how well it was received, and it works really well from for remote work, is what is um, a photography contest. And so we would start that, it would kick off, on uh, Memorial Day, the start of summer. And there was a channel on Teams where people would post, the the restriction was you could post three pictures because otherwise we would get a whole photo album. And um, there was a way for people to vote. And the, the, the contest went throughout the summer and closed on Labor Day. And you could post whether it was, you know, some of your summer activities or your summer vacations. The photography was amazing. And then, you know, at the end of the, you know, in in September sometime, the votes were tallied and the first, the top three vote getters got their picture um, produced and framed for them to hang wherever. And, And so it was low cost. It was fun. People learned a lot about each other. We, you could use, if you have a workplace, you could definitely use some of these pictures to um, beautify your workplace because they were spectacular. And it was just so easy and it was an ongoing thing. So that was one thing that that um, I think worked really well. It works in the remote workplace. And I've got a whole list of things. If people want to get in touch with me, I can give you lots of ideas for um, workplace activities. Great. So if you're looking for some of those ideas, reach out to Linda Ann. Laura, let's go to you. I was going to say something similar in terms of a competition. Um, potlucks always seem food is always a really popular way to get people together. Potlucks or do a competitive potluck, like um, kind of in the same vein as the the photography thing. Um, I feel like that's usually a, an easy way to get people involved and together. Um, another thing my my spouse's squad has been doing a lot of that I think is fun is a, a diaper drive. So again, we have a bar in his squadron. Um, so you bring a, a box of diapers and you get a free beer. Like the person whose spouse is pregnant buys a bunch of beer and stocks in the in the squadron bar and you bring a box, you get a free beer. That's another great idea. And they get diapers. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking, how can I roll? I don't have, you know, my daughters are all grown, but how can I use this philosophy? (laughs) Amanda, let's go to you. 
So an activity that I've done often, it's yes and with a um, beach ball. So it's like the storytelling, but you're going yes and, and you're like, okay, you open up a story like, yes, and I went to the store and then you throw it. Yes, and I found this. And the stories get really wacky, really quick. It gets people going, it gets synergy going. So it's a really great activity to use before brainstorming or anything that you need to get folks comfortable with each other. And then there's also a way where you can take a volleyball and you add like just a bunch of odd questions on it and you toss the ball around and whatever question your right or left thumb ends on, you have to answer that question. So it's because then you're engaging physical movement in addition to some uh, non-threatening um, vulnerability. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, if, if you, it reminds me, that, <laughs> coming from the world of theater, if you check, you know, improv games, which I think Amanda was, you know, getting to the, the one-word stories or continuing the stories or theater games, there are tons of stuff that are fun and exciting and, you know, quick activities. So you might want to check those out as well. And with that, Dr. Destiny, we are pretty much out of time. Final thoughts. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions. Love all of these ideas. I think we've walked away with a lot of insight and a lot of fun on this discussion today. So thank you all. And thank you very much, everyone, for being here today. And and hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and did have a lot of fun. Uh, and once again, you know, thanks for joining us for Work Cookie. Uh, we will be back in one week with another episode. But you can always find us live here at cvoc.com. So thanks very much, everyone. And with that, Destiny. You want to count us out? (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.